Welcome to the Airport Experience News Podcast. I'm Ramon Lowe, the publisher of AXN and the host of this pod. Well, this is episode 71 and the continuation of my month-long series featuring small businesses and airports because, well, November is Small Business Month. And in this episode, I chat with Manuel Soto IV of Skyline Concessions. And you know what? Manuel has a pretty cool story that is actually similar to many legacy businesses in our industry. He basically rose through the ranks in a family business, and then he broke off on his own. Anyway, enough for me. Here is my conversation with Manuel Soto. So I'm here with Manuel Soto, the president and CEO of Skyline Concessions. Manuel, thanks for taking time to speak with me. Thanks for having me, Ramon. So um, if you're not aware, I'm doing a series of these. Uh, November is Small Business Month, and for basically the entire month of November, I'm going to be featuring a number of small airport businesses. And that's really what brought us together. I did this last year, as I mentioned, um, featured about eight, roughly eight or so small businesses in the community, just really wanting to get the story uh, out. Um, Because again, not all, the business itself might be the same, regardless of your size, but the story behind the business and operating in this industry obviously will vary. So I really want to touch on a number of things, um, but let's first just start with you. I'd love to get uh, maybe just a little bit of back of your personal background and you know how you got started in this business. Okay, thank thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, my journey actually starts back 25 years ago in 1994. Uh, my dad had started an ACDB business uh, down in Los Angeles International Airport called Soto and Sanchez. And at the time, I was in college, um, and I would spend every summer uh, going back to L.A. and visiting my dad and working for the uh, family business. And while I worked there, I, I learned you know, the airport business from the bottom up, uh, started as a sales associate, and figuratively worked my way up the corporate ladder. Uh, when I graduated from school in 1997, I took a job in the private sector, uh, but continued to help the family business on weekends or at times when they needed me. In uh, 1999, my father started another ACDB business, uh, Pacific Gateway Concessions, based out of San Francisco. And at that time, they had won one contract at SFO, which was for seven locations. Mm-hmm. He uh, tried to sway me from the private sector and wanted me <laughs> to relocate. Uh, to help him start up his business. And, you know, I was young and, and wasn't really tied to my, my current job. So I decided to give it a shot. Uh, I ended up working at Pacific Gateway for 14 and a half years. Um, that company grew from being in one airport to five airports. I think they went from seven locations to 30 in the time that I was there. And uh, while I was there, I really fell in love with airport concessions. You know, I loved uh, the work environment. I, work, I loved working with lots of different people from different backgrounds and really loved the energy of the airport. And, uh, you know, I, I just caught the entrepreneurial bug. Um, I knew that Pacific Gateway, they were growing at such a significant rate, they would eventually graduate from the ACDB program. And early on, I decided that that was something I wanted to do, become my own ACDB operator and start my own firm. So, um, and... 2005, I started Skyline Concessions. Uh, it's interesting. I did not win my first contract till 2013. Oh, so I literally yeah. waited eight. I literally had to wait eight years for my first opportunity to emerge. Doesn't mean I, I didn't go after a few contracts, but it took eight years to finally win one. 
Um, so, you know, it's, I think it's kind of indicative of small business. You know, you it involves a lot of hard work. It mm-hmm. involves having uh, great patience and really being persistent. Well, I, I, I'm, I definitely want to get to that tipping point, right? When you branched out on your own and um, mm-hmm. looking back, cause I do have um, a slate of folks uh, lined up to be in the series and I will be publishing them in November. But uh, even looking back last year, I could think of one, I think maybe a couple off the top of my head who are truly legacy businesses, not necessarily carrying on the company, you know, from their uh, sure. parents, um, you know, uh, Joya uh, Clark, uh, Joya Kaiser from uh, from Phoenix is come is one example, let's say. But yeah. more like you are, you know, you learn in the business. You you spent time with uh, with um, you know Isla, uh, Sanchez and Soto and PGC, and then branching it on your own. That to me is I, I don't see a lot of that for whatever reason. You know what what, what I guess you saw enough in <laughs> in this airport industry to kind of leave the private sector, or was your dad just that convincing? Uh, it was a little bit of both. I mean, I I think when you grow up in a family of entrepreneurs, I mean, my grandparents ran grocery stores, um, which kind of got my dad started in in business. And then he um, pivoted over to airport business. But I think when you grow up in that, in that type of family organization, there's always kind of a question in the back of your mind, are you going to stay in the family business? Are you going to do something different? Um, Because in my dad's business, it's him and his two sisters. Mm -hmm. So it truly is a family business. Um, in terms of when he started Pacific Gateway and how involved I was with them, you know, he was only uh, like an 18% partner. So there really wasn't going to be a legacy in terms of if he was looking to hand the business over to me, I really couldn't carry those reins because he had four other partners that had equal say. So, you know, in, in my terms, I, I really loved the Bay area. Um, I grew up half my life in the Bay area. So when I relocated here, um, it's just kind of all the stars aligned and, you know, it's, it, I just felt like it, it was my calling. So it's, uh, you know, it, it, it just flourished from there. So again, this is a family business. And again, I, I hear these stories all the time about, uh, you know, I start, I went out into the private sector, went, tried to go <laughs> carve my own path, I guess, apart from the family business, apart from the family industry. Um, but you found your way back. Did you, what really was it, what was so exciting about this little industry of ours that just, aside from your dad's persuasiveness, that made you feel, you know what, I really, I really have fallen in love with, with airports. You know, I think it's really, it's a kind of airports are like a city within a city. So there's so many different people that you meet, competitors, uh, business relations that you make. So for me, I, I think, you know, as I was growing in the business and as I got more exposure, I really liked all of the complexity. Uh, I think the other thing is uh, I'm, I'm somewhat competitive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our marketplace is definitely competitive in terms of trying to do the biggest, the best, the newest, trying to be innovative. And it, it really um, touched something in me where I just felt like this, this is the place I need to be. And I just felt really fulfilled in terms of the work that I was doing and <laughs> what, what, what I was setting out to do. So you, you branched out on your own. And what, yeah. was the, what was the tipping point? Did you just finally see, you know what, I can, I'd like to carve something for myself? Or, did you, or was it something else? What was the tipping point that got you to pursue your own company? 
Well, I loved all aspects of the business and, you know, being a general manager, I was dealing with multiple owners and a lot of times you'd see eye to eye with them. Sometimes <laughs> we would, we would do um, exercises where, Hey, I, I have an idea. Maybe we should try this. And we would try it for a few months and then the results would speak whether we keep up with the program or we don't. And I think for me, I just felt like I was learning so much in the business. I learned, you know, how to put together RFPs. Um, I helped our, our staff with forecasting. I did annual sales budgets. Um, you know, PTC started or Pacific Gateway had started as an ACDB. And as an ACDB in any small business, uh, a lot of the individuals wear multiple hats. Mm-hmm. So I, I got a lot of exposure in other areas where in, in maybe a bigger corporation, it, it'd be more departmentalized yeah, and true. you wouldn't have exposure to, to some of these areas. So um, it just kind of keen my interest doing all these little things and saying, Hey, you know, as a small business owner, you've definitely got to have your hands in all these different jars. And I just felt like, you know, it was so fulfilling doing each one of those things. And I felt like I could do it well. So it, um, you know, it just felt like a, a natural fit for me. Did you, taking on those other roles or tasks, I should say, um, obviously you then gain, um, you increase your competency in many areas, but were those areas that you were just naturally interested in anyway, or was it just the nature of the business and being a business owner, et cetera, that kind of forced you to, to get into those areas of, um, uh, of need? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I, I think, you know, information is probably the the most important commodity uh, today. So uh, for me, learning all the aspects of the business, uh, I, you know, I was, I was still young, still trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. I, I felt like this would be a career path. And the more that I got exposed to those different elements, I just felt like, hey, I, I love, I, I really like putting together RFPs. Um, I really like partnering and and going on visits with business development people, you know, trying to make uh, connections with brands, both small and large. And, uh, you know, just going through that whole process, I I just felt like each step of the way, I just felt like this is me, like this totally fits what I want to do. You know, it keeps you on your toes. It keeps you excited. And I, I think sometimes, you know, you get weary working in a place that, you know, at a certain time, you're going to just get fatigued with what those tasks are. And and in the airport business, there's so many things you kind of got to have your head on a swivel. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I I just, I I can't really describe, but I just felt like it fit what I wanted to do or what I felt like I needed to do. I guess maybe because you said you're a naturally competitive person, and then you pair that with, I guess, the the entrepreneurial rush that comes with, you know, chasing something, succeeding, right? I mean, that that's, that makes for Absolutely. a great recipe. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a competition every day. Yes. And, you know, each of these um, business opportunities, there are, there are contracts, five years, seven years, 10 years. So you've really got to be on your toes and and really looking to see what's that next big thing, whether it's, you know, a concept or a brand or uh, a particular uh, architectural layout for, for store location. So all of those things play a big part in terms of that competitiveness. And it, like I said, it, it just, it doesn't stop. It's, it's consistent. 
you have your own business now. I guess we're, I'm, I'm trying to go back to the timeline of things. Um, did you have any mentors personally? I don't know if your father or maybe uh, business partners, uh, people within the industry or maybe outside of the industry that really helped you along. And again, it's not necessarily a mentorship in terms of, hey, this is how um, within terms of like the business specifically, it could even just be for you uh, generally as a leader, as a business person, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had quite a few mentors. I mean, my dad is a big one. Um, I, I think he's well-respected within the industry. And, you know, I knew if I was going to put myself out there, um, I, I had some responsibility to keep up, you know, his, this name that he's built uh, within the industry. But, um, you know, a, a lot of the partnerships that we've had over the years, people that I've met, um, I've somehow looked at people in terms of mentorships, mm-hmm. even people that worked in conjunction with Pacific Gateway. Um, at a time, um, I was working very closely with WeFam, yep. and uh, he he's an inspirational person to me. Yes. I mean, he uh, grinds consistently, one of the hardest workers, um, very well respected, uh, but he, he really, uh, when him and I were together, felt very motivated, um, kind of felt like we were keeping each other up when he was trying to get started and I was trying to get started, and, uh, you know, great to see all of his success. Um, I work with Roddy McGowan, uh, with MRG. Um, he's very, very, uh, professional businessman, um, very likable, uh, very, very good at his job. Um, uh, trying to think of some others. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, you find inspiration in different places exactly. and, uh, you know, I, I think one of the easiest things for me was, you know, again, looking at internally at the family and how they started their business and the things that they went through, the adversities and knowing that there's always going to be things there, but you can overcome them. You just got to be persistent. You've got to be patient. And of course, you know, work, work really, really hard. Yeah. You need to have that, that, that grit. And even more so because again, you're, this is your business. You're not a steward of a business. This is your, <laughs> this is your livelihood. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's crazy when uh, when I started going to industry events. So when I would go to airport experience news events or to AMAC events, mm-hmm. uh, when we won our contract back in 2013 and started operating in 2014, I started going to uh, these events a lot more frequently. And the first question I would always get asked by new businesses, the only people that I would meet from primes was, okay, you've got a contract in San Francisco. Who did you partner with? And for me to tell them, I have a direct contract with the airport. It's me 100%. Um, a lot of them were pleasantly surprised. You know, they don't see that a lot. And um, it just speaks to, you know, hard work paying off, being persistent, um, you know, being dedicated. So, you know, for us, it's 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 been so successful. I mean, we're so grateful for, for these opportunities, but, you know, I, I think small business has so many obstacles and, and with the landscape of retail constantly changing, um, it, it, it doesn't help the situation for us, but uh, well, I'm glad we will you, persevere. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause that was one of my later questions. I'm actually going to jump to that now. Um, you and I are speaking, we're recording this um, really on the heels of the WH Smith acquisition of Marshall Retail Group. You mentioned Roddy and, and, and MRG earlier. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously this has been going on uh, or in terms of mergers and acquisitions has been going on for a while. I actually just spoke with Pat Murray from SSP about this as well. And it seems like even, I want to say just a decade ago uh, for me, and I've been in this industry for 15 years, but just even a decade ago, you, you, you can probably remember there were like eight to nine, you know, Operators of various sizes, right, medium to, to large, yeah. et cetera, uh, and and then that kind of dwindled with a lot of the acquisitions. And you're having last year, I think it was um, Stellar with Avila, and it's escaping the other and PGC. Um, yes, you know, so the field is getting narrower and thus more competitive. That has mm-hmm. to that has to weigh on a small business such as yourself. Again, you're not partnered; you have that contract directly. You are operating it. So yeah. I guess the risks are even greater um, when if the if the market conditions are much more difficult for a small business such as yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. I I know you know we're lucky because we do operate two locations on our own, but we do have partnerships. We mm-hmm. we have a partnership with the DFS Group here at uh, San Francisco International Airport. Um, we're currently under construction, but when everything's said and done, we're going to have thirteen locations. Uh, we've also got a partnership with InMotion in San Francisco. We're um, partnering with them on an iStore and also a location in Sacramento, um, as well as I have a partnership with my father's group, Soto and Sanchez, down in Los Angeles. Uh, we've got two candy stores, a beach apparel lifestyle type store, and one newsstand. Um, but as a small business, I mean, I think one of the biggest things for us is you can kind of control your own destiny in terms of how big you are and how much you want to grow. Um, because, you know, to be honest, a lot of the primes have a lot of different opportunities in terms of who they can pick in terms of small business partners. And I think, you know, with the change in the sector, um, we're going to have to see how the dust settles because it is um, a little bit daunting. You know, I, I think one of the hot button words that's been lingering around with all of these uh, mergers and acquisitions is, uh, master concessionaire. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you you were kind of alluding to it 10, 15, 20 years ago, yep. um, but maybe a little bit longer. You know, that's how the airports traditionally were doing business. It was a master concessionaire and they were usually subletting to ACDBs. That's totally changed where it's mostly ACDBs doing a joint venture with a prime. Um, but ultimately, as an ACDB, you want to continue to grow. Exactly. And the fear is if, if the big guys are gobbling up most of the big contracts, your growth is really dependent on how much they want you to grow or how, you know, what sectors, what airports they will put you in. So it's, it's a little bit unnerving when you think about, you know, how much control you have in terms of growing your own business and growing your brand. And again, I'm not I'm not a small business owner um, in this space. I uh, fortunately, unfortunately, whatever, <laughs> had the luxury of you know wa- watching and observing all this from above. Really, um, mm-hmm. I guess I guess in some ways, I personally, this is just my opinion, uh, cannot sure. see any new entrance into this industry for small businesses. Now, I think your route is different. Uh, only mm-hmm. because you you grew up in this business and then you you branched off and created your own thing. But as far as a brand new person, like it, as as opposed, let's say like Manuel just comes off the street and says, "Hey, I want to get in this airport thing." I don't think that's going to happen. 
because number of things, I think it's just not just the not the, just the uh, consolidation, but more so just the complexity and the cost uh, of of the space makes it rather ra- extremely difficult. Let's just say. Well, yeah, ab- absolutely. I know. You know, looking at the business when I was really adamant about being involved and wanting to be an owner, the, the business was different at the time. You know, yeah. the um, the cost of doing business was a lot cheaper. Uh, build outs weren't as expensive. Uh, labor wasn't as high as it is today. Um, you know, there, there's so many different factors. The contracts used to be longer. Yep. I remember yep. when I was first coming in, there were contracts 10, 15 years. Yep. And usually with those contracts, they would maybe ask you to do one midterm refurbishment. Mm-hmm. Now there's contracts where you're winning for seven to 10 years. And in that contract, you have to do a midterm refurbishment. So all of those costs factor in, in terms of, you know, is the firm can, successful in terms of doing business and, you know, how do they sustain with all the costs going up and, and literally, you know, the business model changing and, and it continues to change. Yeah. Um, I, I know, one of the tough things is, you know, outside airport retail has got huge um, competition from the internet sales. And I know brick and mortars, you know, it's, it's very hard for them to survive in some of the climates and some of the markets that they're in. And I'm not sure if maybe for them, they look at the airport being a safe haven where okay, there's an act, there's a captive audience mm-hmm. and uh, you know, there's, you've got people that are actively looking to shop as opposed to comparing prices online and buying something at a later date. Yeah, if for me, in my opinion, I think um, the airport retail environment is, for the most part, going to be shielded from, from let's just call it the Amazon thing, because <laughs> that's what it is, yeah. really. <laughs> um, it really that, is that. Yeah, let's just call it what it is. It, it's the Amazon thing. Um, I think the airports exactly. will, for the most part, be shielded from it. I, I do believe, though, that it is more so with... Um, because we're in an environment of necessity, right? I need to eat. I need that small mm-hmm. electronic charger. I need to get, uh, you know, some small snacks, et cetera. It's not just uh, something I'm going to go and price match or shop around for. Other, exactly. Other than you don't have time to, yeah. Exactly. Other than choosing, should I get it from this place or that place? Um, so I, I think for, mo- for the most part, we're going to be shielded from that. I think specialty, my opinion again, is going to be more impacted than than the new stand- the travel essential section but again that yeah. goes back to what we were saying before you said listen contracts were much longer uh, at least even just a decade it's not that long ago right it's it really yeah. is just 10 let's say 10 years ago maybe 10 15 years ago exactly. yeah you were still getting uh you know 15 year contracts and i think a lot of them are, are starting to come up now so um mm-hmm. I can see the airport's perspective, you know, in terms of wanting to make sure that there's always a motivation to kind of refresh things as opposed to having, here's a 30 year contract and then operators will just sit on it. But I could, that, I could see the reasoning behind it. But at the same time, you know, you add in the cost of labor, the cost of build out, the co- you know, it's midterm refurbs, um, the cost of everything else uh, really makes this very complicated, which again, goes back to my, my reasoning that this isn't an industry where someone fresh off the street is going to say, I just want to get in unless they say it by their way. (laughs) But with that, well, well, I think, well, I think the other thing to remember is ultimately, you know, the airports are going to dictate um, how involved they want small business. And I mean, it's really going to be up to them. And I think that's where we're going to see how everything settles and how the industry and the airport in general, how they react to the changes. 
Do they start running RFPs that are a little bit more beneficial for a uh, master concessionaire? Or do they keep it in its current form and maybe modify it to where they're um, incentivizing more small business participation? Because we're, we're very lucky in San Francisco, um, both um, the, the, um, the city, the airport commissioners, and the staff at the airport uh, are very high on small business. They, mm -hmm. they love the uniqueness of small business. They love the energy. So uh, we're in a, in a great spot where they're constantly trying to make sure that small business is relevant. And, uh, you know, we feel like our places, as being one of the only ones with a direct contract, we've got to champion small business. We've got to be the example to make sure that other airports can look to say, hey, a small business can do it. Um, Primes can do it just as well, but small businesses, there are opportunities for them. You know, they, they just need to get them. They need access to them. So, well, what um, is, but, let's just say uh, um, there are obviously advantages to being uh, a much larger operator, right? I mean, but what are some, yeah. what, are, what would you say are the advantages to going with much smaller businesses other than meeting, um, uh, you know, the, the ACDB participation requirements, et cetera? I mean, there are, there are many to, to benefits to having a lot of small business. Yeah. Well, well, I think the small business, I mean, I think there's just an energy, um, you know, usually the operators are passionate about their brands and what they're bringing in, uh, which ultimately relates into the, the customer experience. So when you have somebody who's constructed a t-shirt or um, souvenir items and they're explaining or they've got people that have worked in their factories explaining what they've constructed and what's the story behind their graphic or their logos. Um, that story just comes off a little bit better, I think, because of the, the personal connection they have with, with the business. Um, I think the other thing, small business, you know, can move a little bit quicker than, than a large corporation. I know sometimes corporations have to get two or three uh, department heads to sign off before they're going to pivot and make a change or, or, or uh, change a decision. And for small business, I mean, I think really your, your success relies on how active and how willing you are to adapt. I mean, it, this you is your it. grind, right? I mean, this is your grind. Exactly. So basically, basically if, I, if I was your landlord and I had a problem, I'm sure I have a direct line to you. The president exactly. and owner, uh, president and CEO, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the airport knows that you can go down to one of my locations and you're going to find me there. Nine out of ten times, as long as, you know, it's before <laughs> nine or ten o'clock in the evening, you're probably going to find me in my location. But, yeah, they can get a direct answer. They can go straight to the, the figurehead and saying, you know, we want to do this or um, There's a challenge we're thinking about doing that. something. Yeah, any kind of challenges or, or anything that they feel like uh, they would want to implement, we can give them an answer right away. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think with the small business, the uniqueness, um, I, I really look at small business as being kind of the soul of the airports, because I think what we've seen in a lot of airports is the sense of place. Mm -hmm. So whether you're traveling through San Francisco or Los Angeles or Utah or Portland or uh, Miami, you want the traveler to have a sense of space. So if they didn't get a chance to go downtown, if they didn't get a chance to hit South Beach, or they didn't get a, a chance to go down Rodeo Drive, that they get somewhat of that feel by going through your airport. And I think that's really intricate where 
small business conveys that. Uh, I know I know the big guys are getting better in yeah. terms of being able to relay that message. But with a small business, I mean, um, some of the guys in San Francisco, there's a, a company that I try to mentor and I work with a lot. They're called San Francisco. Um, they were uh, local surfers. They did a student film uh, about five years ago and, and they came up with a logo and people were like, oh, I love that logo. You guys should put it on a T-shirt. You guys should put it on a hat. And they're part of the SFO pop-up, oh, um, the pop-up store. So, okay. you know, I, I talked to uh, their owner, Christian, quite a bit. Um, he'll throw ideas off me. And I mean, that's really what I love about my place in terms of small business, being able to help mentor other small businesses and, mm-hmm. you know, give them my experiences and my perspective and hopefully, you know, help them on their journey. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm cut you off. I, I don't think it's just the hey, I'm local, and thus I can interpret this better. I I, I still believe it's really the agility of the business uh, and the competency of that. I think that's I think that probably more than anything would probably it, went out because you it, might not it be. Prob- it probably is. Yeah, because you might you you it might not be is. local to Miami, but you know that's not that shouldn't discount you or someone in San Francisco is not local. San Francisco shouldn't discount them, but at the same time, it's really. Mm-hmm looking at the your 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 history and experience you know your the agility of the business to make changes yes. and implement changes I think that's that's what should be attractive to this well and and for small business that's the only way that you can survive yeah. i mean with changes consistently in our marketplace whether it be pricing or product um what's hot what's not you know you you've got to be on top of it um our margin of error I don't think any business really has a large margin of error, but when you're a <laughs> small business, it's it's a little bit more narrow. <laughs> yeah, there it is. I, I, I also like to think just as a whole, our industry, the margin for error is much narrower because we are sensitive to so many factors. But um, my, 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 my next question for you really is um, it challenges. I, I, this is another thing I love to hear from uh, you know the small companies is that I love to hear the stories about like challenges that you occur that you encountered when you launched your own business. Now you said you started in 2005, but you didn't win your first contract until, until 2013. You have operated before, at least for someone else, but now this is this is your business. And yeah. were there any surprises that you were encountering now, as let's say in 2013, as a small business owner? running your own contract as opposed to being someone who's running someone else's business or were there no surprises at all? Let's say, you know, it, it, it's funny. My dad um, had made a statement to me a while back. He says it every once in a while, but when I was uh, helping to run uh, Pacific gateway, there was a lot of times that I would have ideas on things we should roll out um, sales objectives things that I thought would help grow the business. And I remember my dad one time after a meeting telling me, um, it's easier to spend somebody else's money than it is your own. And I didn't understand how true that was until you own your own business. (laughs) You know, honestly, I mean, it's, you see the checkbook, you see, you know, where your balance lies, you see all the expenses going out, you see the inventory that's sitting on your shelves. Um, you see, you know, hopefully the sales ringing in as quickly as you had anticipated, but it, it's so true. You know, when, when you're not physically connected to that capital, it's easier to make decisions when you're, when that's everything you work for, that's your blood, sweat and tears. 
uh, it's a little bit harder. Um, but I mean, in, in terms of small business, there weren't really a, a lot of big surprises. I, I knew there was a lot of a lot of hard work that was going to be involved. Um, I, I think, you know, the the cost of doing business was, I think, something that surprised me the most. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, to to think in our business model, you are coming up with the construction element of your store and all the inventory before you've actually made a sale. Yeah. Um, it's, that's a little bit daunting, you know, as a brick and mortar, if you're paying rent, you know, you might be paying six or $10,000 to get started. You're in an airport, you're paying, you know, 500, 600,000 to start yeah. and you haven't made a sale yet. So it's, you know, financing is definitely, um, a key component, you know, I think in, in anybody's business, but, um, I is think it- for the most part, is it is it still though? I mean, because I, listen, I'm I'm not that well versed on the 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 finance side and the funding side. Let's say, but I know enough that like, okay, well, you can't collateralize anything with an airport contract, uh, just the contract itself. But if you have a proven track record, you have experience behind you, then I guess it in some ways I I just assume that would kind of overcome some of the hesitancy for lending. Or, or is that that is that still the case? Or no? Or it- I mean, it depends. I, I think the more established you are, obviously, the easier access you have to funding. But I mean, one of the hard things is being a small business and being defined as an ACDB, your personal net worth has to be under $1.3 million. Mm-hmm. If you're going to bid on a store location that's a thousand square feet in California, the current you know um, build out cost is about $1,000 a square foot. That's a million dollars you're spending. Yep. So, you know, if you're not worth more than a million dollars, it might be hard to get a loan for a million dollars. <laughs> um, but but like you said, depending on your track record, if your track record is looking good and, you know, you've worked with a, with a financial institution that's seen you start up and seen what your projections are. And if you're hitting above or um, exceeding the expectations, I think more than likely you're showing your your knowledge in, in the business and um, more than likely, you know, depending on what the amount you're asking for, they probably will take, you know, take a chance on you. But um, it, it definitely is hard because, I mean, like like I was alluding to, I mean, the cost being so high and financial institutions, you know, looking at you as a small operator, um, they travel too. So they know, you know, I haven't heard of your your company or your newsstand, but I've seen, you know, I know Paradise or I know Hudson. Yeah. And, um, you know, those are kind of things where, um, you know, ultimately you're hoping that a financial institution is going to take a chance on you. And uh, we've been lucky and fortunate that, that, that we've had that. So, Manuel, um, let's end on a really, really positive note. Um, you know, talk to me about what's next. I know you mentioned that you are in, in the process of building out some stores in your partnership with BFS. You have uh, an, an iStore that's coming on in your partnership with Emotion, et cetera. But really to share what you're looking forward to in the coming year. Well, you know, Ramon, we, we are really excited about our partnerships. Um, the, the DFS group has been fantastic. Um, you know, we're diligently working away at constructing some really innovative, breathtaking stores here in San Francisco. And, you know, like I said, we'll be, uh, we'll have 13 locations with them with everything said and done. We've got an iStore location in the new Harvey Milk Terminal, uh, Terminal 1 in SFO. 
Um, we've also got another in motion location that just opened in Sacramento. Um, so, you know, very excited about the immediate future. Um, I, I know there's still so much uncertainty in terms of what's happening with the airport, but again, um, I feel like we're in such a, a great airport with so much support for local business that um, we'll be able to try and ride our own ticket in terms of how we want to grow and um, trying to compete for these upcoming bids and, and see what comes out. But, um, you know, we definitely love being in this industry. We're very grateful uh, for all of our opportunities. And, you know, we, we really have uh, worked with great peers. Um, people sometimes that we call competitors, mm-hmm. but really uh, this business is so small and um, people are very genuine and, and it's, um, it's, it's a great business to be in. I mean, we're, we're very, very happy with our, our place in the market. That's great. Well, Manuel, once again, thanks for taking the time to speak with me. Thanks, Ramon. Really appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Manuel Soto of Skyline Concessions. Please make sure to keep an ear out for upcoming episodes featuring small businesses. I will be posting at least twice a week this month just so I can get the stories out there. And believe me, they're all a great listen. Anyway, if you enjoyed this episode and all the others that we have posted, please, please take the time to leave a positive comment or review. It will be sincerely appreciated. Well, that's all for now. And as always, thanks for listening.